Welcome to New Hope's teaching podcast. This is an excerpt from our Sunday morning service. Visit newhopepdx.org teaching for notes, worship, and church announcements. Stay up to date with our teaching series and events by downloading our app. Just text New Hope PDX app to 77977. Enjoy this week's lesson. Hey everyone, welcome. My name is Hannah and I'm one of the pastors here at New Hope. Last summer, I had the opportunity to go to Zion National Park, beautiful place. Some of you may have been to Zion before. We were camping there and the friend that I was with was encouraging me to to drink more water than normal. It's about 4,000 feet above sea level and that's just the canyon floor, not to mention summer heat in Southern Utah, a whole different ballpark than Oregon. But I'm a hiker. I kind of know how to regulate my body. I was feeling like, yeah, I I got this. I know what I'm doing. Not so much after the second hike. Definitely started to get that those beginnings of altitude sickness, the headache, that's the upset stomach, all of those things. So I had to confess and repent, say, okay, you're right, I'm not drinking enough. I'd start drinking more. Started to feel better. But all that to say, the desert is no joke. This beautiful, magical place has its beauty, but it also is this kind of new oppressive environment that this Oregon girl wasn't totally used to. Have you been to the desert before? It's not a place that you want to hang out without having kind of the right equipment and gear, sunscreen, all that stuff. Unfortunately for us, the biblical story has some desert experiences. I'm not a big fan of this truth, but yet, in the story of God, the the desert isn't just wasted space. The desert is holy ground. After the Israelites were delivered from Egypt, they spent 40 years wandering the desert. God used that as formational time. They had to relearn how to be free after being enslaved. They had to relearn what it was like to trust and to follow their God. And Jesus, before he started stepping fully into his ministry, his calling as the Messiah, he spent 40 days in the desert where God forged and established in him his identity in calling in ways that were unshakable before he went out and began his public ministry. Today, we're going to talk about a wilderness, a desert experience for us. So I'm sure you're just so excited to hear what that opportunity is after we've been all excited about what the desert holds for us. We're going to talk about the season of Lent. New Hope isn't presently part of a denomination, and churches like us who aren't rooted in a specific tradition in the Christian faith, we don't always have a strong connection to these historical rhythms of the church at large. So the church globally has been practicing this season of Lent since the fourth century, about 1700 years ago. And while church tradition can grow stale and become kind of ritualistic over time, church tradition can also keep us connected to these beautiful ancient pathways of relating to God that the family of God has been practicing beyond just our little specific time and space. 
Lent is part of the church calendar. The church calendar has seasons and special days that help followers of Jesus sort of relive and rehearse the story of God that's revealed in scripture year after year. We celebrate some of those big ones like Easter and Christmas, but there are all sorts of things in the church calendar that are often overlooked, and particularly they're overlooked in Protestant evangelical churches like ours. Some of you may have come from a more liturgical or even a Catholic church tradition, and you're like excited because you, you miss those rhythms of the church. Or perhaps you're kind of cringing as I'm talking about them because they, they weren't alive for you and, and you're not excited about entering back into them. My hope is that we can recapture the beauty and the gifts that these seasons can hold, specifically this season of Lent. Lent patterns itself off of Israel's 40-year and Jesus's 40-day experience in the wilderness. So similar to how the season of Advent that New Hope has practiced over the last few years, how it prepares us to celebrate Christmas, the season of Lent prepares us to celebrate Easter. It begins on what's called Ash Wednesday, and we'll talk a little bit more about that later. And it lasts for 40 days, excluding Sundays, leading to Easter Sunday. This year, Lent begins on Wednesday, February 17th, so just a little over a week away. Traditionally, Lent is marked by three things, prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. So we're just going to talk through each of those really briefly. Prayer. Prayer can be any number of things. It can be silence. It can be words, whether written words or spontaneous words. It can be play, it can be work, it can be rest. Prayer can be listening to God, it can be talking to God, it can be crying out to God and emoting to God, asking God for things or expressing gratitude to God. Prayer is life in the presence of God. It's life in the presence of God. In Lent, when we devote ourselves to prayer, we're devoting our our attention to that transforming presence of God in our lives. The second theme of Lent is fasting. Traditionally, fasting is giving up food for a set period of time or for a set meal throughout the week. It's meant to experientially remind us that that what sustains us is not just our physical bodies, but our deepest and most vital nourishment comes from our life with God. Until the last hundred or so years, food production and preservation and and all the things that go into distributing it and and being able to consume it, it was all consuming. It was a huge part of the daily life of just everyday folks. So it, it made sense that to fast from food would have been this deeply reorienting experience. In our day, there's lots of things that we could fast from that have a similar reorienting experience. We can fast from media, from technology, from alcohol, from busyness. And one year, confessional moment here, hopefully this doesn't get me fired. One year I actually fasted from reading my Bible every day because it had become so kind of legalistic and ritual for for me that I just had to take a break from that way of relating to God and to explore other pathways of relating to not just the Bible, but the God of the Bible. All this to say that if you choose to fast from Lent this year and are trying to determine what you might give up for a season, pay attention to what you most 
pay attention to and ask the question, what might have the most reorienting impact? And then finally, the last theme in Lent is almsgiving. So almsgiving is just a fancy way of talking about generosity, about giving to others through our time, our talents, our treasures. It's about seeking to meet a real need in the lives of those around us. So often throughout the, just the day in and day out, it's so easy to get focused in on our little world and our people that Lent is a time to, to kind of open up our eyes and our hearts and our hands and to give to those in the broader community around us. Through giving, we cultivate a sense of, of we instead of just a sense of me and focusing on what's right in front of me. Okay, a little quiz. Were you paying attention? What were the three themes of Lent? I'm expecting you on your couch to be saying them with me, okay? We've got prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. Prayer, fasting, and giving. I'm sure you nailed it. Good job. Okay, let's look at some scripture. We're going to read from the book of Matthew, starting in chapter 3, verse 16. I want to focus on that story of Jesus in the wilderness that we've been talking about a little bit. And as we consider how and why we might journey through Lent, I think it's important that we look to Jesus. What did the desert hold for him? Our scripture reader for today is Gary Walker. Matthew chapter 3, beginning in verse 16 through chapter 4, verse 11. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting forty days and forty nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it's written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, it's also written, do not put your Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and angels came and attended him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Gary. All right, did you get a little whiplash while hearing that story being read? I think we're meant to. We start in the scene of Jesus' baptism. It's this beautiful moment where the heavens open up, the Holy Spirit descends like a dove on Jesus, and, and God the Father says, This is my Son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. And then that same Spirit hurls Jesus into the desert to fast for 40 days and to be tempted by the devil. In the Greek, the word devil just means blasphemer or accuser. 
there's this crazy juxtaposition that that God, after he gives Jesus this, this gift of his identity, that he's God's beloved son, that's the very thing that the accuser tries to call into question. If you are the son of God, provide for yourself. You could have anything you need. If you are the son of God, harm yourself. Let's see if God's there to take care of you. So Jesus engages with those accusations a bit. But the accuser, he totally knows how to play this game. So Jesus responds, well, it is written, here's the word of God. And then the accuser doesn't miss a beat and says, oh, so it's God's word that's, that's authority for you? Well, isn't it also written that? They go back and forth like this until Jesus is just worn out. He's physically and spiritually and emotionally vulnerable. And this dance with the devil is just taking too much out of him. So finally, he just says, away from me. Get out of here. I'm done arguing with you. I know who I am and who I am called to be. I have a little bit of an embarrassing story to share with you. So two years ago, I was scammed and lost a thousand dollars. I know, a little painful. I got a call from this unknown number saying that I had missed jury duty. And I was like, well, I never received a summons. I don't know what you're talking about. But I had recently moved. I'd been living with my parents for a few months. And so I asked, okay, well, where, where did you send the letter? And then they recited my parents' address. I was like, oh, okay, well, I guess it could be that I missed my summons. They're like, oh, well, it's no problem. We can figure out how to remedy that. There's just a couple of steps you have to take. No big deal. Okay, what transpired was this three-hour panicked wild goose chase of an afternoon that involved needing to stay on the phone with this call because a warrant was out for my arrest, going to Fred Meyer to get these like special vouchers to be able to, to pay the Multnomah County Sheriff's Department which were ultimately just glorified gift cards. I know I told you this was embarrassing. And me just throughout this whole time trying to like frantically see if this checks out at all. At one point, I even told the person I was on the phone with, like, I think this is a scam call. And if you don't call me back from the Multnomah County Sheriff's Department right now, I'm like going to hang up and ignore what you have to say. And then they did. I had Googled the number and they somehow had gotten access to their caller ID. So when they called me back, it was from that number. And I'm like, what am I supposed to do? I remember sitting in my car in the Fred Meyer parking lot, just like trying to figure out what, what, what was my next step and thinking through, okay, worst case scenario, this is a scam call and I fail to comply and I'm arrested. <laughs> Best case scenario, this is a scam call and I lose a thousand bucks. And I decided that the money wasn't worth it to me rather than the risk of it actually being a legit thing and suffering the consequences of those. I'm telling you, my brain wasn't thinking straight. I was stressed. Crazy things happen when we're stressed. Meanwhile, I had been trying to text my dad to let him know what was happening, and he was out to dinner, dinner with some friends, and so he finally got back to me, and just in all caps, it said, hang up the phone. Hang up the phone. And I did, but not before I had already given the person on the other line the codes to the two 
$500 vouchers that I had purchased. I know, super painful. But it's been a little bit redeemed in the sense that I've thought often of this scams call debacle over the last couple of years. God has reminded me of it time and time again when I'm on a wild goose chase of, of another kind, where I'm listening to the voices of shame, of fear, of accusation, and I'm chasing after whatever it is I think is going to deliver me from that situation, deliver me from those voices. I struggle pretty deeply with insecurity, and I cope with that by being tempted to believe the lies that if I do all the right things all the time, then I can be safe and secure, and that it's my responsibility to keep God loving me. In my scam episode, that fear of getting in trouble, of doing something wrong that could compromise my relationship with the authorities, was stronger than my fear of losing this money that was rightfully mine. The stress of that fear caused me to stop thinking clearly and to ignore my inner authority that knew something wasn't right. The accuser preys on our vulnerabilities. So for me, like I shared, that, that vulnerability, that, that hook for me is insecurity, of being afraid that I could do something wrong to lose God's support and love. And by God's grace, I continue to be on a journey of healing in that. The more that I, I walk with God, the, the deeper I see those roots go in my life. And it's taken friendship and courage and confession and prayer and sometimes even medication or professional help to get to the sources of that and to, to shine God's light and bring healing on that. I don't know what that vulnerability area might be for you. But I, I want to share on the screen, there will be a list of just some, some common places where we can get hooked in to that wild goose chase, where we can get hooked in, where the accuser preys on our vulnerabilities. Perfectionism. Unresolved guilt. Feelings of unworthiness or worthlessness. Internalized criticism. Discontentment. Ambition, regret, wounds or trauma from our past, hopelessness for our future. I know it's kind of heavy stuff. I wanted you just to take a moment and to sit with that. What are those areas that can easily snag and hook you, that can pull you away on those wild goose chases? We all have them, and the accuser will use shame tactics day in and day out to steal and to silence our inner witness, our inner authority, God's Holy Spirit in us, confirming our identity as God's beloved. We will feel this struggle every day on this side of eternity, but we can build resilience to it. That's what this journey through Lent is all about. It's about building resilience and returning to our true identity, our most basic identity as beloved of God. The Apostle Paul puts it this way in Romans 5. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast 
in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, whom has been given to us. In the desert, what we see Jesus do and what I'm learning to do more and more is to hang up the phone. If God wants to get a hold of me, if God wants to get a hold of you, God can come to us in ways that we can receive with with peace, with knowing, with friendship. And if I'm unsure, if I but if I sniff out any fear or accusation or shame, it's time to hang up the phone. It's time to to return to the grace in which I stand, like Paul puts it. It's time to return to my identity as beloved of God, beloved of God, beloved of God. The journey of Lent, this journey through Lent, is an invitation for us to return to that core place, to our identity. If Jesus needed 40 days in the desert to establish and secure that in him, chances are the yearly rhythm of that for us is probably a good thing too. So how do we do it? How do we do this Lent thing? You're kind of intrigued. You want to learn more. Can we, can I do this as a family, as an individual? Can we do this as a church? Great questions. Let's talk about it. A main way that people across the globe participate in Lent is through giving something up for 40 days for a period of time. That could be sugar or meat, TV, social media, alcohol, all sorts of things. We talked about that a little bit. Why would we do this? In all honesty, there is a little bit of mystery to it. There's a a picture for me that's kind of helpful as as I seek to understand the why behind Lent. So in the rainy season, which is, you know, 10 months of the year here in Portland, The plants and the trees, they they don't need to go very deep in order to survive and to thrive. They can kind of stay on that surface soil because it's so saturated all the time. They can get just about everything they need from it. But in the dry seasons or in a season of drought, the roots of creation are forced to go deep, to look for nourishment and, and the water table beneath the surface soil. And with those deep roots, the plants can then grow rugged and hardy and be able to withstand future droughts and storms. This choice to give something up for Lent, it deepens our roots. It forces our roots to go to beyond just the surface soil. When we let go of something for a season, we'll feel that lack. The scriptures tell us that Jesus was hungry. He was most vulnerable to the voice of the accuser after he had fasted for 40 days. Without those go-to comforts or the quick self-soothing things that we do or whatever your kind of numbing behavior of choice is, without those things, we find ourselves in the real work of deepening our roots, of returning to and strengthening our core identity as beloved of God. So as you consider, if you'll give something up for Lent, I want you to consider this question. What gets in the way of knowing that you're loved? 
And what do you turn to on the surface that keeps you from deepening your roots in the reality that you already are? Perhaps somewhere in there, there might be an invitation for you this Lent. Okay, so that is one way to participate in Lent this year, giving something up for 40 days. And if you've done the math, you're like, well, there's more than 40 days between Ash Wednesday and Easter. That's true because you don't have to fast on Sundays, so those are excluded. But another way that you can participate in Lent this year, and I'm really excited about it, is through a New Hope exclusive journey through Lent. I know, calm down, you guys, calm down, you're losing your minds. So starting next Sunday, you can download on our website your own digital Lent guide. It will have everything you need to to walk through this journey through Lent as a life group, as a family, as an individual with friends. We'll have ways to connect uh, with others who are doing that journey through Lent together. So each week, we'll focus on one of those three themes of Lent that I talked about earlier. Can you remember? Prayer, fasting, and giving. So each week, we'll have an opportunity to either pray, to fast, or to give. And there will be a scripture prompt, as well as an opportunity to practice one of those themes. And not only that, there will be these key opportunities to gather with one another in our community who are doing this journey through Lent Two, I don't know if you're like me, but 40 days can feel like a long time. You're like, is anyone with me? This is kind of hard. Yes, we're in it together. So there'll be opportunities for us to, to look around and to encourage one another and to be encouraged that there's others on this journey as well. The first stop on our journey through Lent is Ash Wednesday. Ash Wednesday this year is February 17th. What is Ash Wednesday? Perhaps in, in past years, you've seen people walking around with, uh, with ash on their forehead and been kind of confused by that. Or perhaps you've been one of those confusing people walking around with ash on your forehead. <laughs> Wherever you are in that journey, that's okay. What we're going to be doing um, this year during Ash Wednesday is have an opportunity for you to come receive ashes. And in the scriptures, ashes are a symbol of repentance. And repentance means to turn, to walk in a different direction. On Ash Wednesday, we turn from the dead-end ways that we strive for worth, power, security, success. And instead, we return to our original and our eternal identity as beloved of God. We contemplate and embrace the gift of this finite time here on earth, and we contemplate the fact that we are from dust to dust. This year on Ash Wednesday, we'll be having a bit of an open house. Like I said, you can come and receive ashes, or you can also get a little kit to take them home if you would prefer that as well. So the times that are we're going to be opening up the Mount Scott Sanctuary are 8 to 9 a.m., noon to 1 and 7 to 8 p.m. So you're invited to come. You can either just pick up your supplies, you'll get your ashes, and a hard copy of the Journey Through Lent guide. Or we really encourage you to stay and to use the sanctuary space. We'll have some music going in there. We'll have people to pray with you and to to administer ashes if you'd like. But it'll be unprogrammed and just a space for you to come and be and to reflect. It's kind of a contemplative day. So, What day is that? 
Bash Wednesday, February 17th, coming up here pretty soon. Good job. There are several other cool things that we're excited about through this journey through Lent, but I know that there's a lot of information that's swirling around in your brain right now that I just shared with you. And so you can find everything you need to know. It has some placeholder dates and things like that on our website, newhopepdx.org slash Lent. So I encourage you to go check that out. Next Sunday, you'll be able to download your Journey Through Lent guide. And then there's some ways for you to pick up a hard copy of that as well. But one more thing that I want to tell you about. It's a really special opportunity for any of you out there who are a creative or a maker or just like to like design and, and, and like to explore kind of in an artistic way. An opportunity for you that we're really excited about is with our New Hope Creative Community. And you may not even have known that we have a creative community. We do. <laughs> it's exciting. <laughs> One of the ways that our creative community is going to be journeying through Lent this year is through a creative fasting project. They're going to be using whatever media that they use for their typical kind of creating and making and, and limiting their supplies a little bit and exploring what that looks like in, to fast in that way and reflecting on that. And, and those pieces will be um, curated in a gallery that we're going to all be invited to during Holy Week. So if you are interested in that, if that kind of piques your attention at all, I want you to reach out to our creative community director, Jess, Jess Anders, and her email will be on the screen, jess.anders at newhopepdx.org. And then you can also go to our events page to learn more. Okay, I know you're swimming with information. Go to our website, like I said, newhopepdx.org slash Lent, and you can find what you need to know. But Ash Wednesday, February 17th, come pick up your supplies pray and and begin this journey through Lent with us. My spiritual director reminds me often that God doesn't want something from you. God wants something for you. God doesn't want something from us this Lent. It's not just about giving things up. And if it becomes that for you at any point along the journey, you should stop and engage in a different practice. God doesn't want something from us. God wants something for us. It's about making room to hear the whispers of the spirit of our inner witness. It's about returning to our most basic identity as beloved of God. I'm so eager to go on this journey with you, and I'm pretty sure that God is eager too. Would you pray with me? God, thank you for the church calendar, for rhythms where we can remember and participate with you through your story, through the ebbs and the flow, the darkness and the light, and the ways that you want to form us and love us through those. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would be speaking to us individually and as a community during this time as we consider how we might participate in the Lenten season. We want to follow you and not just do something out of, for the sake of it, but we want to uh, respond to what you have for us. So would you talk to us about that? Thank you that we can trust you. Thank you that you love us. And thank you that you want life for us, that you want life abundant for us. We love you. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.